time we stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know, you can't work anymore unless you do what I say. That's essentially what a vaccine passport is. Wear masks obviously is a violation of your personal rights, and so is being locked down. You've been patient. Your patience is wearing thin. Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. Well, we kick off where we left off last episode of Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked, where we're talking to the great Dr. Peter McCullough, who's been an absolute trooper in exposing some of the myths and untruths around the COVID-19 pandemic and governmental and medical responses to that pandemic. This episode, we're going to be talking specifically around the vaccine. And we're going to be asking some questions about areas where you shouldn't ask questions uh, they tell us not to question uh, the vaccine efficacy, not to question vaccine safety, but we are going to be asking those questions because they do need to be asked. Uh, and hopefully, Dr. McCullough is going to be able to provide us some of the answers to those questions. Here we go. Peter, you spoke to me about um, uh, this idea of a mass psychosis. I want to probe into that a little bit more uh, because at the point in time that I saw in Australia, ivermectin being banned for off-label treatment when ivermectin doesn't pose any significant uh, safety threat to an individual. Um, in fact, the reason that our Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is the arbiter of, uh, you know, uh, what drugs are, uh, are allowed to be prescribed, uh, they actually said in their ruling that doctors could not provide uh, this treatment off-label. Uh, was that if a doctor did prescribe that to a patient, um, first, that patient may not vaccinate. So there was the whole vaccine push again. But the second thing they said was quite bizarre. They said that that person, if they acquire COVID-19, may not seek the appropriate uh, hospital care. They might still go out and spread it. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, that would be uh, an exact rationale against getting vaccinated because the vaccinated could actually still go out and spread it thinking that they don't have COVID-19 and the vaccinated might say, I don't have COVID-19 because I've been vaccinated and uh, therefore I don't need hospital treatment. Um, but I just find this whole thing illogical. And at the point where the TGA said uh, ivermectin was off the table, I suddenly felt very, very afraid because it appeared to me that there's almost something sinister going on and I can't quite put my finger on it, but you have. Uh, and you mentioned your uh, interview with Joe Rogan the other day, which has been censored, surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, tell us, where do you think the sinister element is in the whole response to this pandemic? I think it's relatively clear that... Uh... You know, there is a giant group of stakeholders, uh, government authorities, regulatory authorities, uh, medical establishments, hospitals, uh, all oriented towards mass vaccination as the single solution to the pandemic. Every organization that's promoting mass vaccination uh, has not promoted early treatment. In yeah. fact, they've worked to suppress early treatment. You know, your great universities in Australia they don't have a single original protocol 
on how to treat COVID-19 as an outpatient. I mean, it's stunning. I've lectured in your great institutions, George, in, in Australia, and they're suddenly out of all academic thought when it comes to treating COVID-19. Do you know Australians have never gotten an update from the government on new drugs available to treat COVID-19? They've never gotten any informational booklet on how to have a COVID-19 home survival kit. They haven't been given good information about oral nasal virucidal decontamination. Uh, not at all. In fact, the only thing Australians have been given is they've been given the word that they should take a vaccine and as mm -hmm. the only solution to the pandemic. That tells you that we're in a mass psychosis because there's no limit to the absurdity. Ma vaccines are not treatment. Obviously, there's Australians getting sick every day. The vaccine mm -hmm. is not a treatment for those individuals. The Australian government and the authorities have to have an answer for the sick Australians getting COVID-19. Now, it turns out in the, in, the, in the vignette you gave that if someone received ivermectin, they wouldn't be eligible for a vaccine. That could actually be a good thing. Uh, I can tell you because in the United States, the sentiment is people have not wanted the vaccine since April. Our rates of vaccination absolutely plummeted in April when the word got out that people were dying after the vaccine and they were being hospitalized in large numbers and then now permanent disabilities weighing in. The rates of vaccination in the United States plummeted in April and then no one would take a vaccine through May, June and July. And we saw inducements. Uh, they would offer a free beer, a donut, a hot dog. That wasn't enough. Uh, then they offered million-dollar raffles, George. Nobody took it. Free college scholarships. Nobody took it. Uh, it was obscene. Do you know in Europe they offered a, a kind of a free session in a brothel for a man if he'd take a vaccine? All this, you can find this on the Internet. No one would take it. So the bottom line is, you know, if, if you got something that actually disqualified you from a vaccine, there'd probably be people showing up in droves to get it because they just don't want the vaccines. The public didn't vote to have these vaccines. Uh, there isn't any public sentiment that, the, that people want these vaccines. I agree with you. By and large, people who wanted to be part of vaccine research and they showed up for them early and they took the vaccines, fine. All the vaccines are in research. We know that no one under any circumstances can receive any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal for taking a vaccine because they're research. And that violates a code of bioethics called the Nuremberg Code. Hmm. And yet they are, as I uh, said in the last uh, episode where I was talking to you, that uh, here in Australia, there's vaccine mandates uh, in the workplace. Uh, Joe Biden's tried to institute that in the US, which brings me to the point, this is not just a peculiarly Australian thing though, although I think that it is, um, it's almost like, uh, all of the insanities doubled down in Australia. But in the US, uh, this the same sort of things that we're seeing here are going on over there, aren't they? There's a few outlier states which are um, really trumpeting and, uh, and, and being the vanguards for freedom, such as the great state you're in, Texas and Florida. But by and large, um, the sort of insanity that we've seen gripping the populace here in Australia is played out right across the Western world, isn't it? It's true. This is worldwide. Uh, there's no, again, there's no limit to the absurdity of this. People are being told they can't get health care, they can't work, they can't leave their house. Uh, there's no limit to the absurdity of this. And meanwhile, the vaccinated uh, in studies are clearly passing it to the uh, to other fully vaccinated individuals. There's a paper in Lancet by uh, Singa Garanium 
uh, where it showed that 39% of the transmission is from fully vaccinated to fully vaccinated. Wow. They're clearly just spreading it to each other. There was another paper by Chow in Lancet from uh, Ho Chi Minh City, a unit of Oxford there. There were healthcare workers. They were locked down in a dormitory setting. They were freshly vaccinated with AstraZeneca and they were just passing Delta to one another. They clearly could just monitor the transmission. It's obvious the vaccines don't stop transmission. Our CDC director has come on TV and said they don't stop transmission. So we're really down to a pretty small personal benefit. I think the vaccines do provide some efficacy, but under age 65, I think the cone paper is correct. There's about a 1% benefit in taking the vaccines for protection on mortality. And that's really what it boils down to. So um, uh, what we know is that there's great Can concern. You just say, say that again, 1%? Did you say that? There's about 1% absolute benefit of taking a vaccine under age 65. And under age 65 is wow. the big, big thing that's affecting the mandates. So it is marginal. You know, in the United States, uh, we have over 70 vaccines. Uh, the vast majority, you know, well over 90, 98% of people take all the vaccines. I took all the vaccines. We don't have protests over that. All our kids go to college. They take the meningococcal vaccine before they go to college. It's mandated. Nobody has a problem. So we actually, we don't have a problem with mandated vaccines that are safe and effective and are fully approved. They're not research. But we do have a problem with vaccines that aren't fully approved. They're in research and they're not safe and they're not effective. So you can tell that's the issue with COVID-19 vaccines because people are protesting. We don't protest the meningococcal vaccine. We don't protest the hepatitis B vaccine. People are protesting these COVID-19 vaccines like you that's can't right. believe. You know, we don't have lawsuits over the meningococcal vaccine. I mean, we have dozens and dozens of lawsuits against the mandates for the COVID-19 vaccines because they're not safe enough and they're not effective enough. So, Dr. McCullough, uh, you talked about their uh, vaccine safety. Uh, I want to talk about an area where I've got to tell you, I'm going to get absolutely smashed as a member of parliament here in Australia for going there. But I have become increasingly concerned about the cover-ups, about the non-reporting, uh, the under-reporting of adverse events from vaccinations and and the number of deaths that has occurred. Admittedly, the official numbers are low uh, here in Australia. I'm sure the official numbers are probably low in the United States. But I think to myself, if this was any other vaccination program and these number of deaths occurred, um, the vaccines would probably be suspended. What are your thoughts on that? In the United States, we have 330 million people. And I can tell you in general for a broadly used medicinal product, if there's five unexplained deaths within about 30 days of use of a new product, it gets a black box warning, which basically says may cause death. And then at 50 deaths, the product is withdrawn from the market as just a general standard. And we can have countless examples of that in medicine. Uh, in the United States with the COVID-19 vaccines uh, in January 22nd, we already exceeded 182 deaths. Uh, we typically have 150 deaths for 278 million injections. 
Uh, we had only vaccinated 27 million people with the COVID-19 vaccine. We are already over the line. So if we had proper safety standards and a day safety monitoring board, our U.S. program would have been shut down in February of 2021. Uh, but with no safe, safety uh, uh, guardrails on our program and no report to the public, the deaths have raced up now in our U.S. CDC VAR system to 20,000 deaths, 20,000 deaths. Half of those are known to be domestic inside the United States, half outside the United States that use our reporting agency. So we're talking 10,000 Americans that the CDC has certified have died. We can look in another data system called CMS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and there we know who's been vaccinated and who died uh, within 30 days. And that number uh, we can extrapolate to the rest of the country. So we know the under-reporting from VAERS, which takes somebody's action to report it. Usually about 86% of the time with VAERS, it's a doctor, nurse, or uh, or a drug company that, that actually reports it. So they think they the product caused it. Only 14% of the time is it reported by the person themselves. In CMS, there's no reporting needed. We just have the data. So in CMS, the estimate is that the under-reporting from VAERS is about four to five-fold. So if I'm telling you right now that we've had 10,000 Americans that have died after the vaccine, the real number is about 50,000 that have died from the vaccine. And we know from two separate analyses, one by Rose, one by McLaughlin, that 50% of the deaths, George, occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week, and that 86% of the time, there's no other explanation. It looks like the vaccine is the proximate cause of death. This is These are staggering numbers. That's what mm -hmm. creates the vaccine hesitancy. That's the reason why there's nobody in America who wants these vaccines. They know they, their lives could be lost with it. Now, now, I just want to be clear about those numbers. Uh, uh, is your um, regulators over there accepting that uh, 10,000 figure as deaths that are linked in some uh, direct way to the vaccine? Or like ours, are they saying that, no, 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 they're just deaths following administration of the vaccine? So are they accepting that there is a causal link or are they just saying that this could be coincidental? The external analyses by Rose, McLachlan, now we have ones from one by Kostoff. Uh, these papers uh, that analyze things go, go through collectively a process. I'm an epidemiologist, so I, I'm trained in doing this. It's called the Bradford Hill Tenets of Causality. So the first um, uh, criterion is is there a dangerous mechanism of action? The answer is yes. The vaccines, in a sense, hijack the body's uh, own cells to produce the dangerous spike protein from the lab in Wuhan, China. So we know there's a dangerous mechanism of action. The spike protein damages organs, causes blood clotting. Our FDA says it causes heart inflammation. There's no doubt about it that the spike protein is dangerous. That's the first uh, tenet. Second tenet is uh, do the deaths occur in close temporal pro proximal? Uh, is it closely related in time? The answer is yes. Yep. It's, it's almost immediate after the vaccine. Uh, in fact, we know the spike protein is actually measurable in the bloodstream within an hour. People are dying within uh, just a few days of the vaccine. So that's met. Uh, the next criterion, is it a big signal? It's like, yes, there's been, obviously, this would be the most uh, deadly biologic uh, agent ever used in clinical medicine. So the answer is yes, we got that. Then the other criterion is, is it internally consistent? Well, we see all these non-fatal events like heart attacks, strokes, myocarditis, blood clots. The FDA tells us that these products can cause blood clots, deadly blood disorders like vaccine-induced thrombocytopenia, purpurea. So yes, it's internally consistent. Then the final criterion for the Bradford Hill criteria is basically, 
external consistency. Is what we're seeing in the US CDC VAERS system, is it seen in the yellow card system? The answer is yes. The evidence-based consulting group in the yellow card system has basically put a report to the MHRA saying shut down the program. It's not safe. And the same thing is with the uh, EMA and the uterus system. Uh, so we actually have met all the criteria for causality. So I'm telling you as an epidemiologist, yes, the vaccines are causing deaths, certainly in the large proportion of cases. Now, there's been a nursing home study from Scandinavia, and I believe the first author is Kirkendall, and they've looked at, uh, they had 100 deaths, if you can believe it, 100 deaths due to the vaccine. They analyzed the deaths in these seniors, and what they found is they ascertained in chart review that actually 40% went directly due to the vaccine. Well, I don't care if it's 86% or 40%, it's too much. One death is too much. One death is too much. People should not volunteer to sign up for a vaccine research program and end up dead within a few days. And sadly now, uh, we know that the smallest number in America is 10,000 deaths, but it could be as big as 50,000 deaths. It's so such an outrage. Our federal government is being sued by lead attorney Tom Rents. There's an official lawsuit for this. Uh, we have uh, incredible hesitancy. No one wants to take these vaccines. So now they're being mandated. People are off the job. I can tell you, if the vaccines were safe, people would just line up and take the shot and move on. But it's safety that's really killing the vaccine program. Now, have you had a look at the Australian data and uh, have you done any analysis over that in terms of our deaths and adverse no, events? No, I haven't, but I've given commentary, George, on the news. I was on um, with Chris Saucedo on one of the major TV stations and you know they had pulled some reports. They showed some strife in Australia, but believe it or not, they pulled a report from Taiwan and they basically showed, uh, Doc, listen, Taiwan's keeping track they have a low prevalence of COVID. They actually have more uh, vaccine deaths each day than they have COVID-19 respiratory deaths. And that's exactly what the analysis by Kostoff and colleagues showed that in toxicology reports, he, in EHD, he analyzed the data and said, listen, someone age 65 is five times more likely to die of the vaccine than actually taking their chance with COVID. In Australia, it would even be a more leveraged analysis because you have so little COVID there. And people are spread out in Australia. And that doesn't assume any early treatment. So, and, and that, the reason why that's the case is called determinism. If you take the vaccine, there's a 100% chance it's in your body. But if you, if you de defer the vaccine, you may or may not come into COVID. You may not ever run into COVID. So when you calculate all those risks, it's actually a better choice to not take the vaccine in terms of mortality. I wrote to uh, our regulator, the TGA, and asked about those uh, deaths and the adverse events. And I asked particularly um, with the deaths, whether or not uh, for all of those people that they said, well, this was just probably coincidental, uh, their deaths. I asked if I could get the primary or uh, uh, non-primary causes of death. And I was told that uh, for patient confidentiality and privacy reasons, that couldn't be given. And besides, that would have to be declared by a coroner or, uh, or uh, something like that. So I wonder how on earth the TGA was able to uh, get around that fact. They do say they do some digging into these deaths, but one of the things that they do is cast a statistical brush over uh, total population deaths, and then they have a look to see um, whether uh, whether the number of deaths uh, in, the in the vaccinated cohort um, adds anything to the normal statistical number of deaths in Australia. And I thought, wow, if that... Uh, I'm not sure that's the only thing they're doing, 
But if that is the main thing they're doing, uh, I think we're seeing some some pretty uh, dodgy figures and, and dodgy results out of the TGA regarding deaths. But you're right, um, even one death is one too many. But it has been put to you before, and I'm going to put it to you again, that this is a widespread vaccination program, unlike many others. Um, so so uh, is the number of deaths then acceptable, given that it's so widespread? I would say no, uh, just because these analyses suggesting that it's just an unfavorable relationship it, it doesn't matter it's like it's like a car it doesn't matter how much you like the car and how fast it is if it's not safe you'll never drive it off the lot it'll never pass inspection if these products aren't safe it doesn't matter how good they are uh it, they're simply not going to be accepted so uh you know ascertainment of causality doesn't matter in regulatory science all it means is all you're interested in is did it happen after administration of the product and I'm telling you, 50% of the deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week. We don't need to assess uh, causality on a case-by-case -case basis. The Bradford Hill tenets of causality have been met epidemiologically. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's just, it's beyond a limit of acceptability. Our U.S. swine flu pandemic, 1976, there were 70, there were 25 deaths, and we had vaccinated a quarter of the population, 55 million people, no VAERS system, no TGA, no FDA, just good old common sense. They said, shut it down. It's not safe. 25 deaths is not safe. The death count ultimately rose to 53 deaths. There was 550 cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome. The U.S. government apologized. They paid the victim's compensation, and that's it. So we are far beyond any boundaries of acceptability. Uh, and so that you know, there are calls. It started by a small French group uh, in March, then by Bruno and colleagues, multi continent paper of which I'm in the author block, and then by Lowry et al. and the evidence-based consulting group, all three groups have called on world governments to shut down the vaccine programs. They're not sufficiently safe. And now we know they're not sufficiently effective to be worldwide mass programs. They should be shut down. Okay. So uh, two more questions and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. Uh, you, like I, uh, have on your Wikipedia listing now that you are a uh, mass, propo mass uh, proponent of, uh, of misinformation or disinformation regarding COVID-19. Why, in your view, is there been such a pushback to questioning and dissenting voices uh, in regards to the orthodoxy around this COVID-19? There was a real useful exercise a few months ago where the fact checkers who are making declarations regarding information or misinformation, they were traced themselves. The fact checkers were fact, and they were all uh, traced back to vaccine stakeholders. So it's fairly clear that the vaccine stakeholders, those individuals who want to see a needle in every arm, those who want to see the entire world vaccinated, that they're in fact uh, fueling these fact checkers and they're fueling all of these falsehoods that's being posted on the internet. Now, Wikipedia, uh, we can't control our own Wikipedia pages. I've uh, written Wikipedia to have my page removed. I said, listen, I don't want it um, that I'm a private person and I'm non-audible. That's good enough. Just go ahead and take it down. So Wikipedia will not take down my Wikipedia page. There's somebody in Illinois, in one of our states, who's made 276 entries 
on my Wikipedia page. I don't even know who this person is. Uh, it's clearly, it's simply just uh, defamation is what it is. These are yeah. uh, acts of defamation. I, I don't go on the internet and, and start making comments on someone else's page, George. That's, that's wrong. And so these people are committing wrongdoing. I think they'll be brought to justice. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, you've, you've indicated that the uh, the major push behind all of this stuff is uh, is money and profits, probably for big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, uh, but I'm going to ask you um, the multi-million dollar now, uh, the multi-million dollar question now, Dr. McCullough, and that is if you were in charge, uh, let's just say that they promoted you to the head of the World Health Organization and your number one diktat was going to be done by every country around the world, what would that diktat be? I would drop all vaccine mandates immediately and I'd go ahead and pull all the vaccines off the market. Um, I would, um, and I, I'd pull Sinovac off the market only because it's it's just ineffective. And, um, and then what I would do is I would go ahead and um, expedite Novavax entry on the market, mainly for people over 65 and our nursing home and senior residents and maybe nursing home workers. And I would make it elective. I would want them to have an offering to help protect them, uh, but a much safer vaccine. It's not a genetic vaccine. And the data looked every bit as good as Pfizer and Moderna, but without the systemic toxicity. Uh, so that's what I do with vaccines. Now, um, I personally would just say, listen, we're opening up economies, no more masking, no more lockdowns. I get rid of your concentration camps in Australia. Those, those just look terrible for your country. And that's really scaring the rest wow. of the world. Get rid of those um, and, um, and open up fully. And then we would simply have an early treatment program for those who get sick with COVID-19. You'll have an occasional person who get COVID-19. They would get early treatment at home. Uh, they would get over the illness in just a few days. And then, you know, we could be ready for a hospitalization or two if it happens. And everything would go back to normal. I'd go over and visit Australia, get your tourism back. People get their jobs back. Everything would be happiness in the world. The day the vaccines, by the way, are pulled off the market, I think will be a worldwide day of joy. People would be so joyous when these vaccines go off the market. They, they view the vaccines as a menace right now. The vaccines in many ways are worse than the respiratory illness. In, in terms of being a sociological menace, uh, people can't wait for these vaccines to, to go off the market and get out of their lives. Mm. Well, look, I want to thank you very much, uh, Dr. McCullough, for joining me uh, for the Conservative One podcast. Uh, and I want to thank you for all that you are doing of being a voice of sanity amidst this pandemic madness. Thanks for joining us. Well, George, thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. And keep up your great work. You have uh, colleagues in our U.S. Senate, Congress, and multiple state uh, Senates that are clearly in your camp, and, are, and your camp is growing in terms of strength and voice. So again, thanks for having me. Here's hoping. Good night and God bless. Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked is hosted by George Christensen, MP. You can find more episodes from this series at goodsource.news forward slash unmasked. This show is produced and published without censorship or paywall by the team at The Good Source, thanks to The Good Source supporters. If you'd like to be part of the solution by helping us produce more truthful content like this each month, head to goodsource.news and click on the support button. Make sure to follow George Christensen on Telegram, Getter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. 
You can also help us beat the algorithms by giving us five stars and encouraging comments in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.